Giving it all you got. Great job, guys. Great job out there. Keeping it on the field. I know we can do more, though, right? You want to do more, right? Come on. Don't give up yet. It's not over. Johnson, come on. Come on. You got to open up your ears. Listen for the signals. All right. Okay. Hagley, great job. I can tell you're giving it all you've got. Martins, remember, it's all about the focus and the effort. Everything else is out of your hands. Remember what we practiced. Remember what we trained for. This is why we're here. Hanson, good job, kid. Way to pay attention. You're making the right moves. But it's not over. And we can do more. This is what we practice for. All week long, hitting the weights. It's all for this moment. We cannot neglect our practice. You cannot neglect your physical health. Got to be eating right. Chris, I saw you down in those bags of chips. Come on, man. We can do this. We can do this. We were made for this. All right, let's go get them. I still got a whistle. <laughs> it's pretty loud, though. I don't want to blow it in the microphone. Hey, I'm dressed up today trying to look like a coach, not just because it's a good excuse to wear shorts on a Sunday. But if you were thinking that's what it was about, that's part of it, too, I'm sure. Uh, today, I want to I try and do my best to play the part of a coach or a physical trainer, which is kind of ludicrous, or a, uh, a doctor. How many of you guys have gone to a gym and taken like the first session with a physical trainer at some point, right? Where, yeah, maybe you had to walk around with a clipboard and they were like, here, this works your flectoids and this works your adenoids and <laughs> those aren't even muscles, but you walk away going like, what am I getting myself into? That's why we're here today. I, I wanna ask a couple questions over the next couple weeks. We're starting a new series and it's all about our spiritual health. And I want to know, when's the last time you really gave some thought or put some effort into shaping or reflecting on or measuring your spiritual health? Because if you're anything like me, I neglect my physical health. If you're going to ask me about my spiritual health, that's a whole nother level of neglect. It's an area where I'm so glad that we have a God who's bigger and who has all the answers and who's deeply involved in our lives because he does a lot of the work. But part of it's ours, too. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about our spiritual health. How do we look at it? How do we measure it? Where should we be? Where are we? Where does God want us to be? How do we get there? How do we, how do we fall in line with him? Because if you, if you think about it, God, Jesus, man, that's our personal trainer. Amen to that? We're not just looking at some muscle-bound dude just hitting the, the weight machine hard and then trying to recreate that when we climb on there. We're watching Jesus live out a perfect, complete faith in, in God and a, a perfect reliance on him, a perfect dependence on him. And then we go, okay, I, I, I can't do it exactly like you're doing it, Jesus, but I'll give it a shot. And I'm going to try to follow as close as I can. So how's your spiritual health? If I ask you that question, what do you think of immediately? What, what runs through your mind or your heart? What do you feel? What do you think? How's your spiritual health? What do you think? 
Good? Sucks? I, I heard good and sucks simultaneously. That about sums it up, doesn't it? What else do you, what do you feel when I say, how's your spiritual health? All sorts of responses, right? Which time of day? Which week? This week, not so great. Last week was easy. What is it like when you're out of shape physically or when your health is suffering physically? What do you feel? Like, say you're somebody who has an ongoing health routine where you're eating well, you're getting in some regular exercise, you're doing the right things, but then you fall out of the habit. You fall out of the habit for a good week or two. Like, you really fall out of the habit for a bit, maybe three weeks. What do you start feeling? Sluggish? Exhausted? Guilty? (laughs) True. Yeah. You ever felt sick? Like, literally gotten sick? Mm Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to that place where you've been pushing so hard in life, and I know Doug preached about this recently about stress and our addiction to it, where you're pushing so hard that the minute you have a vacation or a day off or a break, your body just shuts down and quits on you like, I'm done, boss. Forget it. You are not getting out of that bed. You are going to be sick, and we're going to recharge whether you like it or not. Have you been there? Only a couple of us? Or you get a day off or you get a vacation and you realize right at the start of your vacation or or right during your day off, why am I feeling sick? Why can't I do anything but sleep? Because we're pushing so hard. And we neglect all sorts of things. If you think about the things that we should be doing for our physical health, our our physical well-being, think of, in fact, just, just run through your head. What are the things that you do or that you pay attention to or that you think about or try to do as far as your physical health goes, your physical fitness goes. Just think through them. It's probably ways and things that you eat, maybe even when. It's probably medication that you take. It's probably uh, some experts that you might go to, like a doctor or a dietitian or a nutritionist or a physical trainer. Um, You probably have some exercise routines. How many of you have an exercise routine where you do some sort of moderate exercise 30 minutes a day, at least three or four times a week. They say that's what we're supposed to do, right? (laughs) Where your heart rate gets up to at least whatever. How many of you own a heart rate monitor of some sort? Okay. How many of you own physical fitness equipment that seldom gets used for anything other than storing clothes on? (laughs) I have an elliptical in the garage that makes an awesome spot to dry clothes or to make sure that your shirts get so they're not wrinkled. Have any of you bought a stupid, goofy uh, fitness device online or off the TV or in a store? Ab cruncher, ab roller, ab blaster, ab smoker. There's everything out there. Well, this last week, I had a, a day where I didn't have to do much. And halfway through the day, I started feeling sick. And then that night, I was like, man, I really don't feel well. And it was right after coming back from a a trip with the teens. I'm not going to blame it on you guys because you're awesome. Um, hopefully I didn't give it to you. Uh, the next day, though, I, couldn't, I could not ignore it any longer. It had been three days where my sinuses were draining, my head was just pounding, and my throat was sore. And I was like, forget it. I need to go see somebody. This is stupid. Are you like me? Do you hold off on going to see the doctor? till the very last moment, so you can't stand it anymore, and you're like, ah, I'll go. So I went, I called up, I said, I think I've got strep. I think I've got something going on with my sinuses. I know the drill. 
Can I come in? They're like, yeah, come into the nurse's station. So I go into the nurse's station, and they give me the rapid stress or strep test thing, you know, swab out the mouth and make me gag a little bit. And then 15 minutes later, my results come back negative, and I'm like, what? Something's wrong. It's got, it's got to be. It's got to be. And they're like, well, you came back negative, so just, you know, good luck. Take some Tylenol and drink fluids. And so then I walked back over to the receptionist, and I said, I need to see somebody today if I could. I'll go to any of your clinics. I'll see anybody that's available. I need to see somebody. And so she said, sure, you can go out to the, the office in West Salem. So I went out there and got to see the doctor, and she came in. A doctor I'd never seen before. And can you imagine some of the first things they did to me while I was there? Anybody? Height, weight, what else? They skipped height this time. Blood pressure, right? Why blood pressure? Che well, yeah, okay, you're checking stress, you're checking the blood pressure, you're checking heart rate. They did all those things. They listened to me breathe with a stethoscope, right? Have you done that? Breathe deep. I'm always wondering, like, what does it sound like if it doesn't sound right? Because they've never said it sounded bad. But those are routine things that happens every time, right, that you go into the doctor for the most part. Why do they do those routine things? To cover the basics. Because if, the, if any one of those, or all of those especially, is out of line, they know that there's a few things that might be going on. And so then they had me do blood work, too, because I hadn't done blood work in a while. And they were like, oh, you're up for blood work, and you're already here. Why not? Oh, okay. So they took some of my blood. And why did they take your blood? They take it to the lab, they test it, they like sticking me. Yeah, that probably that too. She did seem like she was kind of enjoying it. Uh, why, though, do you take routine samples of blood and, and send it to the lab? They track stuff, right? Enzymes, sugars, all sorts of stuff that can be tracked in your blood. And if something's out of whack, ding, 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 a flag goes off, right? And they go, oh, there, there's, there's some things here that are wrong. So we did all that, and then she... Uh, you know, I, I shared my symptoms, and she said, oh, I can tell you're in pain. I was like, yeah, thanks. And she got the light out and looked in my ear, looked in my nose. That's always fun. Looked in my throat and all that. And she goes, oh, that's bad. I said, yeah. And she says, you waited a while before you came in, huh? And I said, yeah. yeah. You ever heard that from a doctor before? It makes you feel so dumb. Like, why did you wait so long before coming? And then, of course, I, to defend myself, I said, well, you know, I took the rapid strep test, and it said no. And she said, uh, yeah, but your symptoms were pretty bad, right? Yeah, well, you should have came in. I know. I know. So she said, you've got a massive sinus infection, and I can see it all back there draining, or draining and you've got strep, too, and it's, it's spread, and it's bad. And so, of course, then she gave me, she said to do all the things I was already doing, the sinus medication, all that kind of stuff, clearing out the passages with that water spray. That's fun, right? squirting that up your nose and having it come out the other side. And then, of course, what, do you, what did she prescribe? Antibiotics. Antibiotics. Because, yeah, and rest. Because she knew, and I had finally learned after multiple days, I was not going to beat it on my own. Right? Isn't that what antibiotics are for? They're to give you that little extra nudge. Like, we can make it through this. And so she gave me the antibiotics, and already, you know, af after one day even of taking them, I started to feel a little bit different. The next day, a little bit different. The next day, a little bit different. I'm like, man, I really shouldn't have waited so long. Now think about how that applies to our, uh, our spiritual health. Think of how that applies to some of the symptoms we feel when our life is a little out of whack spiritually. 
when we feel distant from God, when we feel alone or confused, when we feel really down about ourselves, when we feel, when we feel unforgivable, when we feel lost, when we feel like we have questions that aren't being answered, why do we wait so long? Why do we wait so long to do anything about it? What might God prescribe to us? What might his version of antibiotics be? What might his version of rest be? Yeah, maybe reading the Bible. Rest, prayer. He's the expert, isn't he? We should be exercising our spiritual muscles just like we would to build up physical muscle. You go see a physical trainer, one of the things they're going to ask you, if they're a good one, is what's your goal? What do you want to get out of this? Well, I want this, or I want that, or I want, like, Popeye arm. And they're going to say, well, here, we'll do, some, we'll do these kinds of things because that will target that specific area. Have you heard that from a trainer or from somebody in a gym or from a friend? Target this with these exercises. That will work on just that area. That's kind of a change. Physical training used to be done a little bit differently than that. It was, it was more focused on doing a whole variety of things or just doing a whole ton of cardio and then some, you know, chest lifting and stuff like that. But now it's, it's become much more focused. And, and oftentimes you'll, the trainers will even say, well, you need to do some targeted things, but you also need to do a whole bunch of different things so you keep confusing your body, and then you go back to the targeted area again, and then you do something else, and your body goes, oh, we don't have to do that anymore, and then you go back to the targeted area again, and then you see results. And I think about our spiritual health, and God does so much for us. He reaches out to me. He speaks to me. He pulls me. He guides me. He convicts me. He encourages me. But I have to be involved. So it's time for a spiritual checkup. That's what we're talking about. And we're going to talk about three different areas because when you think about spiritual health, you got to focus. So we're going to take a look at what Scripture has to say. We're going to go first to 2 Corinthians 13. I think there we go. Read it out loud with me, if you would, please. We, too, are weak, just as Christ was. But when we deal with you, we will be alive with him and will have God's power. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. So we're supposed to examine ourselves, we're supposed to test ourselves, but what does that look like? Because a lot of times when you ask somebody how they're doing with God, you get one of two responses. Much like when I asked today about what you think about with spiritual health, you get either that things are really good or that things are really bad. And the truth is, is that it's somewhere in the middle. We're not being honest with ourselves when we're like, oh man, it's horrible. I'm the worst Christian that ever lived. And I just picture God going like, come on, just go to the gym with me. Stop complaining. Let's do something together. Don't act like it's the end of the world. It's not. I don't look at you and go, man, you stink at this. You're really bad at following me. Have you ever heard Jesus? Have you ever felt God say that to you? No. Those messages come from ourselves. They come from worrying too much about what the people around us are saying. They come from perhaps the devil who likes to get us to a place where we don't feel like we can do anything about our spiritual well-being. Because if we don't feel like we can do anything about it, what are we going to do? Nothing. Just like when you don't feel like you can affect your physical health or your, your weight or your shape, if you, 
If you get to that place where you feel like nothing works, nothing matters, you're going to do nothing, which, of course, really leads the other direction, right? Because then you end up, like, eating 14 boxes of donuts in one afternoon or whatever. I don't know what your vice is. (laughs) Step one with our physical health, our spiritual health, any kind of health, step one on trying to improve our health is you have to choose to care about it. We have to reprioritize our spiritual health. We have to move it from being like wherever it is to much closer to the top. So if you have a friend who really is all of a sudden wanting to lose weight or get in shape, you see some drastic changes. In fact, in some ways, you know how serious they are about it by how much they change things, by how their priorities shift. Have you ever had a friend who's done that? Where you look and you're like, wow, they really want stuff to change. Because all of a sudden, they're pouring a lot of time and effort and perspective and focus on this that they never used to. And I'm always impressed. I'm like, wow, go for it. That's awesome. But you have to choose to care. And as much as I hate to admit it or to even say it, we do what we care about the most. We put our time and our energy and our passion into the things that we care about the most. We can all complain that we don't have enough time, but we all have the 24-7 as God created it. We can all complain that we can't fit another thing in, and that's probably true. We're all very busy, and we've all got some great stuff going on. So this isn't about, man, you got to stop everything you're doing. It's about how does it fit into what we're doing already. So if I really care about my spiritual well-being with God, if I really care about following God closely, hearing God intimately, obeying God, becoming more and more like Jesus, if I really care about that, I'm going to put more effort into it. I'm going to put more time into it. I'm going to think about it more. I'm going to talk about it more. I'm going to do things that affect it more. I'm going to respond to God a whole lot more. Isn't it true, though, that the things that really matter, the things that you value the most, the things that you really care about, are the things that you do? I know it's easy to say, well, we spend most of our time either working or sleeping. But if you think about why you work, there's probably something or someone or someones that you really value. And that's why you work. To earn the money to help provide for the people that you really value. So rather than standing around and going, man, there is no way for us to connect with God. There's no way for us to improve spiritually. There's no way to get closer to God. It just has to happen. We're not going to talk like that today. Today we're going to talk about the part that we can play. God's doing his part all the time. But we can talk about what our part is, even if compared to God's part, which is huge. (laughs) Even if our part's only this. God really wants us to serve and to follow with this. It tells him a whole lot about how we appreciate him. So I've got a question for you. What are some of the symptoms of suffering spiritual health? We're real familiar with what the symptoms are when we're physically suffering. What are some of the symptoms of suffering spiritually, of struggling in our spiritual health? Depression can be, sure. Emptiness, temper, bad temper, yeah, for sure. What else? Guilt, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Keep it going. Sin, yeah. Showing up at church because it's what you need to do instead of what you desire to do. What else? Rebellion. Anybody find themselves in that area at times? Rebellion? Yeah. What else? What are some other symptoms of struggling spiritually? Confusion. That's a big one. Discontentment. Yeah, I'm unhappy. There's never enough. Connection. Loss of connection. Broken connections. Not believing. Lack of faith. Lack of motivation. Yeah. Especially for God-related things. Or other things. We get selfish in a hurry, don't we? The further we stray from God. It's because when you do, I mean, that makes sense. Because if you take God more out of the picture of life, of course we're going to get more selfish. There's nobody saying that there's something more or better. Uh, Everything suffers when our spiritual health suffers, man. How about those times where you just feel like God is very distant? And I know that God doesn't move much, and some people just flat out say that as a response. Well, God didn't move. Well, yeah, I move. But I still feel really distant. I still feel out of touch with him. I still feel like I can't hear him or feel him right now, and that's real. So what do you do? You know, whine. That's part of it. And it's okay to whine. I believe God is okay with whining, right? There's a book full of whining or two. But then what? Prayer's good. Beg. <laughs> Liz, this morning, I asked her to, if she would kindly make some decaf coffee to put in the, the young adult small group room. And she said, sure, get down on your knees. <laughs> so I had to get down and say, please make some decaf coffee. It's okay to beg God. It really is. In fact, in a lot of ways, that may be a great way to approach God, isn't it? On our knees, completely dependent. God, pull me out of this. Hmm. If you want to improve muscle definition and strength, you're going to target those muscles. If you want to lose weight and gain tone in your body, you're going to eat less, you're going to eat better, and you're going to exercise, right? Everybody tells me it's that simple. You want to learn a skill or get better at a skill? What do you got to do? Practice. Oh, man, my parents said that a lot. I did not. I, I started playing trumpet at uh, sixth grade. I think it was sixth grade because a really cute teacher at my school suggested it. Didn't win her over, but I started playing trumpet for that. And I used to complain about practicing. My parents are like, we bought you the trumpet. You're going to practice, and you got to put in this much time a week, and you got to fill out the form and everything. I had no idea what practice meant until college when I was studying music and playing in the orchestra and a couple other, you know, like a, an area symphony and everything. And I had to literally practice six to seven hours a day of trumpet. That was practice. My lips were sore at the end of the day. I'd have to ice my lips. How crazy is that, right? Slurpees were my friend. But that's practice. That's how you learn something. You put the time into it. You repeat, you repeat, you repeat, and you get better. Let's look at 1 Corinthians now. We're going to look at a lot of Paul today. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. And I took this from the message paraphrase because I love how, it's, how it speaks to us in this passage. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes racing. Everybody runs one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're going after one that's gold eternally. 
I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not about to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. I like the way he puts that. Right? Paul says, I buffet my body. I train myself. I discipline myself. And God does almost all of it. So we're still talking about this one little piece. But if scripture talks about that one little piece a lot, then it probably is still important. Step two, to improve your physical, spiritual health, consult an expert. Our expert is God. When it comes to spiritual health, you can go talk to Oprah if you want. You can go talk to Gandhi or one of the past experts. I'm going to talk to God. Invite God's insight to speak into you. Okay? There's a great passage, Psalm 139 in the Bible, who tells us, when we read this passage, we usually use it to describe how God made us so perfectly, so wonderfully, how he was so creative, like when he made that leafy sea dragon, right? Okay, we're going to read this passage again, but I want you to look at what else is in that verse. What else is in those verses from Psalm 139? Don't get stuck on just the fact that God made us fearfully and wonderfully. Listen to what the rest of it says. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6. O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything that I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. Your place, you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Okay, to understand that part of the passage, I want you to think about somebody that you know or a story that you've heard where somebody had an illness um, or a disease. Maybe it was cancer. Maybe it was something else serious. And for some reason, that person was blessed and lucked out and got to be seen by one of the experts. Not just a good cancer doctor, not just a good oncologist, but maybe one of the top ones in the country, the nation, or the world. Okay? What a blessing to be seen by the expert. Right? That expert doesn't go to see somebody else and say, tell me, expert. That expert is the expert. Our expert, God, has examined our heart. That's what we're going to talk about week three, our heart. And he knows everything about us. And that, just like verse 6 says, is too wonderful for me to even understand or comprehend that God would bother to be my expert. In my condition, in my life, in my place, God's expert hands are, are deeply involved. I love it. Let's go to the next passage. We're going to skip down to verse 13. This is the part you're most familiar with, probably. You made, God, all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book, and every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Let's go one more. And now we'll skip to the end, verse 23. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That's a great prayer, isn't it? Search me, God. Is that, is that kind of a, a daunting prayer to think about praying? It is, isn't it? Isn't it a little scary? Search me and know me, God, and point out anything 
any way in which I, I'm falling short, woof. It's as humbling as when you go into that gym for the first time and you go to that appointment with the physical trainer and they look at you and you're like, man, this guy, this guy spends his life training his body and exercising and I'm just kind of wobbling in like, help. And he's going to look at me and they're going to measure stuff and they're going to weigh stuff and then they're going to make me stand on this little ball and try to balance while I'm lifting weights and I'm going to fall on my face and look like an idiot. That prayer is daunting. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Have you had a moment in the last month or so where God pointed out something that needed changed? I have. Hurts a little, right? When I was a kid, I hated having splinters taken out. Hated it. As an adult, I hate taking splinters out. I can handle a lot of pain, muscle pain, injuries, that kind of stuff. And in fact, a lot of times I don't even realize I got hurt till later. But splinters, that's a different story. I scream, I whine, I get nervous, I shake. And for some reason, that one little boink, that's kind of what it's like. God points out something that needs to change, and he humbles us. And a lot of times he points out something that needs to change, and in order to change it, he also says, you need to go and fix this with this person, or you need to go apologize for this, or you need to go and seek mercy for this, and that's hard. That's why we call it eating crow, right? Nobody wants to eat crow. It's tough. But if we're going to the expert, if you're at that place where you're like, man, I really want to be close to you again, God. I'm really frustrated with where things are at. Hopefully you're at that place where I was at where you were like, I can't ignore this sore throat and this headache anymore. So I will go to the expert. I will ask the expert what's going on. And whatever they say to do, I will do it. That's where we need to be with God. When you find yourself in a place where you feel distant from God, disconnected, when you feel confused or lost or broken, or when you feel unhealthy and dirty and busted, you don't stay there. You go, okay, I'm broken, and I'm going to go to the expert. Because he knows how to heal and cleanse and change. There's an invitation there in this, this passage where he's saying, search me, God, where, where the psalmist is literally saying, God, open me wide open and take a look at my heart condition. That's what we want to do today and for the next two Sundays. We want to say, God, here I am. Here's our relationship. Show me where things can grow. Show me how we can be closer. Show me how... I can become a better follower, a better listener, a better actor. Show me. So if we're going to go for it, if we're going to go for increasing our spiritual health, step three, we got to focus our efforts. Where do we start, right? Because getting closer to God is a massive topic. So if you say, how can I get closer to God? You're going to be like, oh. In fact, sometimes if you think about trying to get closer to God, don't you kind of picture like climbing up a really tall mountain? Or taking on this massive challenge. I really don't think it's like that. I think that's a lie. I think that's a little bit of a distorted truth. It may be challenging. It may be hard to put effort into getting to know God better. But I don't believe it's like summiting Everest. 
I don't believe it's as hard as conquering this massive challenge. I, I, think, it's, I think it's smaller and simpler than that. And so we're going to make it small and simple. We're going to aim small so we miss small. So this week, we're going to look at the ears. Because God talks a lot about the ears in the Bible. Next week, we're going to talk about the eyes. And then following that, we'll talk about the heart. Ears, eyes, heart. Everybody say ears, eyes, heart. All right. My brother Jeff, I don't know if you've had a chance to meet him. I think he's only been here once. He's nine years younger than me and recently made a career shift. Um, he was an audio engineer and uh, did like mobile DJing and sound recording and stuff like that. And then, all of a sudden, decided to go into law enforcement. And uh, he went through a massive life change along with that. In order to make it through all the tests to make it into the, uh, he was going to be an Idaho State Patrolman. That's what he had applied for. In order to do that, he had to get himself in physical shape to even meet the, the requirements going in to the testing and the interview and the hiring. And he had to get ready for, the, they have to go through two separate academies um, of training as well. And so in order to do all that, he went about running and exercising and stuff like I'd never seen him do before. And it's not like he was in bad shape. But now, my brother's been an Idaho State Patrolman for a few years, and he is in better shape now than he was even in high school. He is, I saw him recently with his shirt off, and I was just like, whoa. He's just like, have you seen somebody that's got like 0% body fat, it looks like? And every muscle, like, you can see them. You can't see my muscles. They're in there, but they're, they're hiding. They're stealth muscles. His muscles, though, are more like, hey, I'm a bicep, and hey, I'm a quadricep, and you can see every single one of them, because he exercises like crazy now. On average, he's probably putting in 20 to 40 miles of running or biking a day. When he has a couple days off, and he usually gets two or three days off in a row, here's what he does for fun. I was talking to him last night on the phone. He found a new mountain that he'd never been to before, and he drove to a few miles from the base of it and then rode and ran up to the summit of the mountain, and then back down, and then back up again, and then back down. Which, none of that sounds fun to me, but especially repeating the process, right? But that's how he lives now, and, and his body is so trained and so fit. And he's in incredible shape now. And, and those things that he initially had to get in shape for, those tests that he initially had to get in shape for, for the state patrol, that, like, he wouldn't even break a sweat now doing them, I'm sure. But that's what life change can look like. It, when, when you reprioritize and change it all up, everything changes. I've also got friends that have been involved in things like the Tough Mudder. Does anybody know what that is? Or some of those extreme like gladiator runs, Spartan run. There's like this fad lately of these extreme physical fitness challenges. Or, or we've got some people that we know that are deeply into CrossFit and some other things. And nothing against any of that. It's all great. But there's this, this fad lately of, man, I'm not just going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do P90X 1000. I'm going to do everything I can do. I'm going to go extreme. And uh, there's been some great quotes that have gone around the Internet and through Facebook that I thought I'd share a few of them with you. Some, some of the catchy exercise quotes going around right now that maybe if we think and apply it to our spiritual health could be motivating for our spiritual health, not just our physical health. 
So one of the ones that I've seen recently that I really liked is pain is weakness leaving the body. Pain is weakness leaving the body. I don't know if it's biblical, but it's a good quote. Here's another one. Think about how far you came today and then focus on how far you'll go tomorrow. Not bad. Here's another one. The greatest pleasure in life is doing what everybody else said you couldn't. Right? And then here's my favorite one for today. When I exercise, I wear all black. It's like a funeral for my fat. (laughs) Isn't that great? What would our spiritual lives look like if we put that kind of effort into connecting with God? Amen? I look at my brother, and while he's in incredible physical shape right now, uh, it's really hard for me sometimes to talk with him because he and God have almost completely lost touch. And to see my brother in this tip-top premium physical shape and to know that he and God are barely connecting right now, it's just, it's hard, you know? If we put that kind of effort into our relationship with God, what would it look like? So today we're going to talk about hearing for the next few minutes before we get out of here. Matthew eleven fifteen in the NIV says, whoever has ears, let them hear. Everybody cup a, cup a hand around your ear. And now talk out loud. Say something out loud. Say, happy birthday, Elvis. Do you hear yourself a little bit more than normal? When I was in college studying music, I also sang a lot. And there were times where we would be singing intricate harmonies and things like that where you, for some reason, got lost and weren't sure you were exactly where you wanted to be. So everybody would kind of cheat once in a while and put their hand up to their ear and, oh, okay, good. I'm on the right note. Because you can focus in then. It's almost like you tripled the size of your ears. You know, it's like going to that Dumbo movie. I remember watching Dumbo when I was a little kid, and you had the massive ears, and you could hear everything. So when you go like this, you can hear just a little bit better. And I think even if we weren't going to have anything more said in the rest of the sermon, if you caught just this, this is listening, and this is good, but this is intentionally listening in close, and this is better. And, And as goofy as that is, like how does that apply to my relationship with God? We have, to, we have to face the fact that we are meant to connect with God. We are meant to hear from God. It's not this mountain climbing challenge. We were designed to hear God. We were. And a lot of times I think we're so scared to say, well, God told me or, or led me in this way. Yeah, he did. God says a lot to us. He guides us a lot. We were meant to connect with God. And it's okay to admit that. It's okay to put energy into that. And it's okay to stand confidently there going, I am listening for God's voice because he speaks to me and he guides me. Maybe you won't have the Moses moment where you walk up and it says, take your your shoes off and a burning bush speaks out to you. But you'll hear him and you'll feel him. I truly believe that one of the prayers God loves to answer is when we ask him to speak. When we ask him to guide us. I think he loves to respond to that. In my lifetime, I've seen three technological advances that blew my mind. And I'm sure there's going to be more. First one is the CD player. I can remember when some friends of my parents came to visit and this guy brought out of his briefcase this cool little box and this silvery record thing. And he was like, here, Matt, you got to listen. I was a little kid. Here, Matt, you got to listen to this. And he put the headphones on and he played some classical music through it. 
And I heard music like I'd never heard music before. It was so clear and crisp. I felt like I was in the concert. And I know music has come away since CDs, but, but that day I was like, whoa, that's awesome. And I was more connected to the music than I'd ever been prior to. And then later on in life, another thing was developed that blew my mind. There were two things, actually. There was the cordless phone, and then there was the cell phone. And I can remember thinking how cool it was to be able to stand out in the front yard and talk on the cordless phone and still be able to talk to somebody. Right? And then I can remember, can you remember those hideously large cell phones, like the Motorola, like watching an old episode of Friends or something, you might see one. Or the bag phone in the car that had like an actual cord connecting the phone to the, the car. That cracks me up to think about now. But the cell phone, man, the ability to talk to somebody wherever I am while I'm driving even if I don't get caught. Or wherever, right? Like, that's something phenomenal that we never were able to do before. Not only that, my cell phone can do so much more than a phone should ever have <laughs> been designed to do, right? I mean, my cell phone, my little smartphone, can do more things than my family's computer did when I was in school. Easily and much faster. And in my pocket. It's just, it's wild. And then the last one is the internet. Man, do I remember the internet hitting the, hitting the public. And I remember it was like magic the first time I heard that dial-up sound in our house. You know, and... And then now you look at that and you're like, wow, that is slow. But back then, that was crazy. I remember writing a, a paper for high school on Antarctica, and I didn't have to go to the library and crack open an encyclopedia and pull the gum out of the pages to do the article. I could look up all sorts of stuff about Antarctica online. It was the best thing ever. All those things are things that connect us, right? We're so much more connected. Things are faster now. We're more connected to each other. We're more connected on multiple levels. So much so that when we're disconnected, what do we feel? Lost. Deprived, right? Have you gone without your cell phone for an hour or a day or a week or a month? And you're just like, whoa, I'm out of touch with everybody. I came back from that trip with the teens and heard some news stories from Pastor Doug. I had no idea what was going on in the world. I was completely out of touch. I was more in touch with the, the mountain and the river and the ocean than I was with, with what was happening in the rest of the world. Today, Lynette got to feel a little disconnected because she spilt her coffee, and while she was going to get stuff to clean it up, I slipped her cell phone into my pocket, and she came back, and she's like, where's my cell phone? I don't know. I don't know. About 10 minutes later, I feel it vibrate in my pocket, so I throw it back up on top, and she's like, you dog. But when, you, when you're out of touch with your cell phone and with the rest of the world through your cell phone, it's disconcerting a little bit, isn't it? We've come to rely on it so much. When we're disconnected and out of touch with God, it's disconcerting too. We feel less strong, less focused. Um, our identity starts to suffer. I really believe the less connected we are with God, the less we're hearing from God. We even lose touch with who we are. And then we start listening to some of those lies that creep in about our identity that aren't really true. I want to teach a word to you. You probably have already heard it, but we're going we're gonna to teach a word anyhow. I think it's on the next slide, if we could pop that up. Shema. Everybody say Shema. Okay, 
In the Bible, almost every time that it says listen or hear, it's translated from the Hebrew word shema, which means hear and obey. It doesn't just mean hear. But when it's translated into English, it's usually translated to listen or hear because English likes to use one word, and Hebrew often is like this whole picture of words that convey a meaning. So the word shema, truly the, the Hebrew word, conveys all sorts of meanings. It, it means listen, it means hear, it means obey, it means listen and follow, it means know and be changed, it means pay attention and respond. It means all those things, not just hear. It's not just about listening. And so when we're talking about hearing God in our ears and, and how we're meant to use them, we're not just talking about hearing God's voice. Because that would be like, at best, half of what our ears are intended to do. They're meant to hear and obey. The Shema is also a prayer that, Jews, that devout Jews have prayed for years and years. Even before Jesus was born, Jews would pray this prayer in the morning and at night. And they take the Shema prayer from a number of different passages in the Bible. From Deuteronomy chapter 6 from Deuteronomy chapter 11, and from Numbers chapter 15. And the reason why the prayer is called the Shema prayer is because it starts with the word Shema. So it starts off with hear, or listen and obey. And we're going to practice it together. So let's see the next slide. This is your chance. It's in your bulletin too, maybe. Is it on the note page? Awesome. This is your chance to kind of sound like you know Hebrew a little bit, and that's all I can do too, because I don't really know it either. So if you would, try to repeat after me. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Now again, this next phrase would normally be whispered because it's this intimate moment of praising God in the prayer. So Baruch Jayam. Kavod Malkuro. Loam Vaed. Blessed be the name of his glorious kingdom forever and ever. And then the next phrase. Ve'ahavta Adonai Eloeha. Right? Behol Havka. Uvahol Navshika. Uvahol Meodeha. And these words are literally taken from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and 11 and Numbers 15. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This prayer starts out with, hear and obey, Israel. The Lord is your God, the Lord alone. And Jews would pray this every morning, and still do, devout Jews, pray this every morning and every evening. In fact, they teach these words to their kids oftentimes before they're able to say much else. Jesus most certainly was taught these words by Joseph at a young age. Because the good Jews would pray this prayer every day, morning and evening, refocusing, remembering who they are, who God is, and who they should be listening to most. Okay? It was drilled into me as a kid, listen to your mother and father, listen to your mother and father, and obey. Right? Anybody else got that training? <laughs> but there's a voice that's even more important to listen to than that. And that's the voice of our creator, God. The God, the one and only God, our God. 
And that's what this passage starts out with. And so what a great way to, to start and finish your day with the remembrance of the fact that God is our God, my God, the God is my God, and I should hear and obey him because he is the voice most worthy of listening to. In fact, Jews will try to often pray this on their deathbed because the, the idea is that if you would pray that with your last words in this, on this earth as you die, that there's a special blessing. And there was a rabbi, Akiva, who was being tortured and killed under orders from a, a Roman soldier who, while he was being tortured and killed, his, his disciples, his students were there in the crowd watching. And while he was being tortured and killed, he was smiling and praying this prayer over and over and over out loud. And his students said, even now, Rabbi? Even now? And his response was, all my life I've been praying this prayer and wanting to obey it. All my life. And now that I have the chance to love the Lord my God with all my heart and soul and might, why wouldn't I take joy in being able to do that right now fully? So much so that the Roman soldier who ordered his execution actually stopped it for a minute to question him and ask him about it. And then they proceeded to finish him off. And his last words were, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Blessed be his name and the name of his glorious kingdom forever and ever. And I shall love the Lord my God with all my heart and all my soul and all my might. And that's when he died. And he had an expression of joy on his face to know that he gave God that last moment in that way. I didn't know anything about the Shema. I've read that passage of the Bible a lot of times, and it's important, and, it's, and it, it has a lot to say, but I did not know it was this prayer that had such significance in that culture until I was about to go on a trip walking around and studying things in Israel, and we were given a lot of stuff to read and study about the culture and traditions of the area that God came to as a human, that Jesus was born into, that the Bible was given to, to the people of God, the Hebrews, the Jews. And then seeing the beauty of this prayer and how it's such a focus of that culture and tradition to remember we are the people of God. There is one God and his voice is the one that I'm supposed to listen to. His way of life is the way of health and goodness. Not my way of life or how I interpret it, his way. So if I listen to his way, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's the second part of the Shema. What does it mean to listen? Our first checkup for our hearing is, are we listening for God's voice? It should be a, a slide you've got up there, maybe. There we go. Are we listening for God's voice? Are we actively listening? What does it mean to really, how do you show somebody that you're really listening? Okay, first off, you've got to be quiet. You might repeat it back to them. That's a good, good practice. Eye contact, right? Well, that's a big one in my family. Sometimes my wife talks to me and I listen or I hear, but I don't really give eye contact and I don't really respond. You know what I mean? Like I could repeat back most of the words, and of course, that doesn't score me any points because I'm not at all connecting with what she's saying or valuing what she's saying, or especially responding to what she's saying. So if Shema really means hear and obey, listen and be different, 
it's ludicrous for me to be doing all this complaining about, I can't hear you, God, or why do you feel so distant, or I wish you would give me an answer, God. It's not just hearing God's voice. It's I have to tune my ears to his voice, but I also have to tune my body to the response that I must give. So if I just hear something and I keep on trucking, it hasn't affected my life at all. And how do you measure if somebody's really listened to you? I can tell you how my mom would measure it. If she told me to do something, <laughs> like take out the trash. And I was like, oh, mom, yeah, you bet. And I'm in the middle of playing an Atari game because I was old or whatever. But it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen. Even if I planned on eventually taking that garbage out, did my mom feel like I heard her? No, because I didn't listen and obey. We got a great example from scripture about what it means to tune your ears to God, right? It's, it's about Samuel, and it's from the book of Samuel, and he's, he's hanging with Eli, and he's sleeping in the temple, and God's trying to get Samuel's attention in a dream, and Samuel goes to Eli, he's like, whoa, Eli, something's going on. I don't know if I have a slide for this or not, but if I do, you can pull it up. Um, maybe? What's the next slide? I do! Nope, don't, never mind, that's not it. Okay, so what does Eli tell Samuel to do? You guys know this story, some of you do. Here I am, your servant is listening. In other words, you got the mic, God, speak. I want to hear you. Do we do that? Do we, do, do we go to God and say, God, I, I really want to hear you? I think we focus on prayer as a lot of talking and praising God and asking him for things, and that's all great. But what about the listening part of that conversation? When did we become the people of God? When did, when did man, when did Christians... When did the believers, when did the Jews become the people of God? What's that? I couldn't hear you. One more time. At the cross? Not bad. What do you think? When did you become, when did we become the people of God? That's where I'd go with it. I think your answer is good too, Carson. When God took us as dust and dirt and breathed his life into us and created us, that's when we became the people of God. Everything else, the Bible, the Shema, any other way that we remember or connect with God is simply remembering who created us. Remembering he's the creator, he's the expert, he's the guide, he's the provider, and we are the dependers, we are the listeners, we are the obeyers, we are the followers, we are the eaters, we are the consumers. It's the flip side of the coin. We are the people that receive. God is the person that gives. God loves to bless his children with good and perfect gifts. Amen? That's biblical. We got to tune our ears. Check number two. So check number one, are we listening for God's voice? We're going to skip that next slide you had. Check number two is when we hear him, do we obey and then respond? So just think about it for a quick moment. When you hear God, do you respond and obey? And sometimes you do, <laughs> if you're anything like me. Um, but do you find there's another step in there often? You hear, you hesitate, 
you obey. And sometimes I hesitate for so long knowing what I should have done, but sometimes an opportunity to do what God wanted me to do passes by. You know those? Have you felt those? You ought to you go, go help this person, Matt, and you ought to tell them about my love for them. Yeah, God, you're, you're right. I'll get to that. I'm playing Atari right now, but I'll get to that. And then the moment's gone. So we got to hear, we got to respond, and we got to respond timely because that shows God that we really do get the importance of what he's saying. Ezekiel chapter 33, that's where we're going next. Awesome. Son of man, your people talk about you in their houses and they whisper about you at the doors. They say to each other, come on, let's go hear the prophet. Tell us what the Lord is saying. So my people come pretending to be sincere and they sit before you. They listen to your words, but they have no intention of doing what you say. Their mouths are full of lustful words and their hearts seek only after money. You are very entertaining to them, like somebody who sings love songs with a beautiful voice or who plays fine music on an instrument. They hear what you say, but they don't act on it. But when all these terrible things happen to them, as they certainly will, then they will know that a true prophet has been among them. Ooh, man, convicting, huh? We pretend, we come pretending to be sincere, sitting at God's feet, wanting to listen, but then we judge what he says as whether it's valuable or not, valuable enough that we really want to act on it. So when he says something like love your neighbor, we go, yeah, I, I agree with that concept, God. But then Monday comes, and my neighbor has a really loud dog, and is driving me batty, and I want to growl and attack that neighbor, and I want to badmouth that neighbor like everybody else on my block does. And I've completely forgotten what God said, which was love your neighbor. I heard him, but I didn't listen. I didn't obey. I didn't respond. I heard him. And I agreed with the theory, but not enough that I did anything about it. Kind of like sitting back and going, yeah, I know if I exercised, I'd, I'd be in a little better shape. And then I just move on. Hey, if you were to continue on praying the rest of the Shema prayer, and I won't make you repeat it with me, but I am going to read it. This is what it would say. After saying, hear, O Lord, or hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord alone. He's the voice we need to listen to. It continues on and it says, And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall speak of them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the sidewalk, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be like frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And here's the important part. And it will come to pass, if you surely listen to the commands that I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul, that I will give rain to your land, the early and the late rains, that you may gather in your grain, your wine and your oil, and I, and I will give you grass in your fields for your cattle, and you will eat and you will be satisfied. Do you hear the promise there? If you make me your God, and you listen to me, and you respond to that listening with obeying me with, and following me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you do those things, I will bless you with rain and food and provision and health and well-being. Shalom, goodness, contentment. If we listen, 
And we know that listening means also what? Obeying or responding. What are some symptoms of hearing that you could use improving? Here, here's where we're nailing it down before we leave today. What does this exactly look like? How do we go here, from here and be different? Symptoms of hearing that could use improving. If you're feeling distant from God or alone, spend some time listening to God. Improve on your listening and your obeying. If there's a disconnect between your ears and actions, then your hearing could use improving. If you feel confused or you lack a focused identity or purpose in life, if you're, if you're not standing firm in the fact that you were created by God for a very special reason and that you were loved deeply and that you were forgiven and cleansed and, and righteous through him and empowered through him, if you're, if you're not standing firm in those areas, improve the hearing. If you have some unanswered questions that are causing you anxiety, if there's direction that you're seeking in your life and you, you don't feel like you know where to go, spend some time listening to God. Train your ears. If you find yourself falling prey to lies or distorted truths like you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, you can't do this, it's too much, God wouldn't really want you to do this, God doesn't really love you, all that stuff means you're listening to the wrong voices. So what are some treatment options? I got, I got uh, antibiotics for my uh, strep throat. First one is to reformat your prayer life. Because most of us focus a whole lot on the talking and not enough on the listening. And I know that sounds weird because you go, well, what do I do to listen? Well, listening is something we simply, it's like what uh, Eli told to Samuel. Just go to God and say, God, please speak, I'm listening. God, please guide me. I'm looking for your hand. God, please show me. And then just taking in how he speaks and guides us. And then making sure that we act, that we ask him, that we listen to what he says, and then we act on it. Okay? Asking God something, listening to what he says and how he's guiding us, and then acting on it. If we're missing that third piece, the acting, then we haven't really listened. And you got to, like me, you, you probably need to confess that you're better at listening with your head than your whole body, your whole being. Move past that. All right, next treatment option. Or the next slide, at least. Act now, don't delay. Get to know God's voice better. When I feel like I know God's voice better, I will live more confidently. I will listen more closely. I will automatically obey him more if I feel like I'm confident that it's his voice speaking. You know what I mean? So not like, is that you, God? But, oh, that is you, God. And if it is you, God, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some stuff about it because I don't feel comfortable knowing that you're saying this, God, and then ignoring it. So next slide again. To get to know God's voice better, we need to study the kinds of things that he says. Read scripture. Think about the kinds of things that God says to his people, Okay. There are certain messages that sometimes we think might be coming from God that God flat out does not say or doesn't make a habit of saying. But there are a lot of things that he makes a habit of saying, right? And if you read scripture, you'll pick up on the fact that there are certain phrases and instructions and guidance that God repeats often. So if you're hearing that message, guess where it's probably coming from? Consider the results that God definitely aims for us, aims for in our lives, the kinds of changes that we know God wants to see happen. If you hear or feel promptings along the directions of ways that you know God wants you to grow or change, it's his voice. You don't have to question it. Follow it. 
All right, next slide. And then we got to, here's the tricky one. We got to filter out the noise because there's lots of voices in this world that are trying to get our attention. Probably the loudest is our own. And we need to dial in God's voice. Just like when you're kind of fuzzy and on the outside of a radio station, you got to get right on the right frequency and then you're like, whew, that's clear. Okay, we got to dial in God's voice as we silence or quiet down some of the other voices. That might mean that you have to do a little less of something or make a little more time in one day or something. I don't know. You look at your own life and see what needs adjusting so that there's room to really hear his voice more. And then finally, to listen in every moment and in every setting. And that means that every place that I'm at, including this one, every moment that I'm in, every relationship that I'm a part of, is an opportunity to hear God's voice and direction. So if I'm in a friendship with Jeff, or I'm in a, a marriage relationship with Jen, or I'm in a pastor-congregant relationship with some of you guys in this room, those are all opportunities where God's going to give me some direction if I listen and seek it. Amen? What's that going to look like? We're going to move into our Selah time now, and the Rather than having communion, which is bread and wine, we're going to have communion. Because communion itself means connection. It means relate, relationally connecting with God. And that's what we're going to do today. In your bulletin or on these cards up front, hopefully there's a card in your bulletin. If there's not, I've got a bunch up here. There's something that says Selah response card. Because to talk about listening to God and then leave here would kind of be like listening and not obeying. So during our Selah time, we're going to play a music video that ties in with what we're talking about, about hearing God and about growing spiritually. We're going to focus on these three questions on the front of your card. The first one is, come up with a question that you would like answered by God and then ask it. So come up with one thing that you would like God to answer for you and then ask it. And then the second thing, ask for one thing in your life that, that God would guide you to prioritize more that would then improve your spiritual health. So what's one area of my life, God, that you would say, let's put some effort and energy into this, where God's going to physically train or coach and blow the whistle and be like, Matt, humbleness. You think of yourself too highly and you think of other people too lowly. And we want to shift the balance. What's an area? Okay, and then the third thing. Ask God how he sees you and how he feels about you. In other words, God, who am I and why am I? And then write down some of the, the responses that you feel God leading you towards. As you're asking God also to help you filter out the not truth. And the voices that aren't his. Because that's, that's an equally important part of listening to God. So as we do that, we're putting it into practice. We're, we're saying, God, we want to hear you more, and we're going to put some time into hearing you more. So during the seven minutes of this song, and I picked a long song so we'd have time, during the seven minutes of this song, we're going to ask these three things of God. It's like that psalm where he says, search me, God, test me, know me. Because we can join God in this moment and say, God, search me and know me. And we can also do what that other passage of the Bible said, where we can examine ourselves. And we're going to right now sit down with God and look at our life, expose, and say, how's my spiritual health doing, God? And, and where can we go from here together? Because I do want to love you more. I do want to hear you more. 
and I want to follow you more closely. I want to miss less opportunities, and I want to feel more confident in my relationship with you. And if we just simply listen to what he has to say, I guarantee he's speaking. He promises. Seek me, ask, knock, and I'll respond. So that's what we're going to do. So if you don't have a card in your bulletin, there's plenty up here, and there's a whole bucket full of pins in case there's not a pencil or pin near you. Feel free to come grab one. And just spend some time asking and listening to God right now.